Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. What's up, guys? It's Jason from Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel. Football season is here, and there is no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. It's my favorite sports gambling app out there. It's safe, secure, and easy to use. They have exclusive offers, tons of ways to play, like spread and money line, over-unders, team totals, same-game parlays, where you can combine multiple bets from the same game. My favorite feature is that cash-out feature, so if you already feel pretty good about your bet and you're in good shape but you don't want to lose whatever it is based on some stupid thing with garbage time at the end, you can cash out your winnings before the end of the game. Use promo code JasonT and download the FanDuel app today to make every moment more this football season. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, Permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8- Hope NY or text Hope NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia.
All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Friday, everybody. Congrats on making it to the weekend. Our season is right around the corner. After this weekend on Monday, we're going to be doing our like season preview kind of on a macro scale, just giving my final picks of the year. I feel like that's just something everybody's got to do before the ball gets thrown up for the first time. At least tell us who you think's going to win the title, who you think's going to win MVP, and all those sorts of things. So we'll be doing that kind of thing on Monday. And then starting Tuesday night, the way the schedule is going to work throughout this beginning portion of the season during football, when we get towards the end of the season, it's going to be literally live shows every single night after the biggest game, uh, after the five biggest games of the week uh, during the regular season. And then once we go into the playoffs, you guys know me, I'm going to be working basically every single night through the middle of June. So that's, it's all going to be night stuff during that latter portion of the season. During this beginning of the season when we're working with football, it'll be a little bit more of a mix. We'll pick like two or three nights a week where there's huge games. We'll go live after the games. And then for the rest of the week, we'll go during the day when I have more time to kind of pour over the film, which will be a a nice little mix-up. Today, we're going to be covering the Redeem Team documentary. There are four things from that specific documentary that I want to talk about. A little bit about Kobe and how he's revered among his peers and how we should factor that more in when we're talking about him. A little bit about Larry Brown and the 04 team that lost in the Olympics, which I think is interesting. And then why uh, why I think the 2012 team was better than the 2008 team and uh, comparing the 2012 team to the 1992 original Dream Team. You guys know the drill before we get started. <clears throat> Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. That's also where I put film breakdown since I can't do it on YouTube, so you're going to want to follow me there. And then last but not least, if for whatever reason you can't finish one of these videos and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish them, you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under Hoops Tonight. And on that note, let's talk some basketball. So <clears throat> my favorite part uh, about watching that particular documentary, which I very much enjoyed a lot of cool stuff like vintage Olympic footage, um, and it's just kind of a, a, a cool. Uh, it, it, what's kind of cool about having that old-fashioned film is it just it, when it's taken care of, man, it just shows up so good all these years later. Like some of the camera angles on the sideline of Team USA when they only had college players, that was really really cool footage. Um, and then it was just good to see a lot of Kobe, and you know, like so so many NBA media now. Um, and I think a lot of this is analytics driven, but there's, a, there's several reasons behind it, but a lot of NBA media before Kobe's death and even now after hold him in relatively low esteem compared to some of his peers around the league. Most people seem to have him between 10 and 13 all time based on, uh, based on some of the more prominent people in the media that I hear talk. I have Kobe Bryant as the third best basketball player of all time, at least in my perimeter players list. Cause remember I keep perimeter players separate from bigs. And, you know, I, I think it's pretty straightforward. I, I think he's firmly ahead of Magic Johnson and, and Larry Bird, but a lot of people disagree with me. I think, I think analytics plays a huge part in it. I mean, first of all, analytics in general, like we talk about, anytime you try to simplify a complex game like basketball down into catch-all metrics or even lower level metrics, but used without context, it, 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 does a, it does a terrible job of, of quantifying the game of basketball now 
it certainly doesn't translate across eras. It's just not the same watching James Harden go to work and spread pick and roll or spread ISO, spread by a ton of shooting, in many cases without even having a center on the floor. That's just not the same as Kobe Bryant playing alongside Pau Gasol and Andrew Bynum or alongside Shaq working in a triangle offense when the half-court set is incredibly congested and there's just not a lot of space to operate. And he's manufacturing shots through incredibly difficult shot making because that's what he needed. And that's what the team needed from him in order to manufacture points in a very congested mid-2000s basketball game. And, And so I just don't think it's fair to be like, oh, James Harden's true shooting percentage is 58% and Kobe's was... Was 53 therefore James Harden is a better basketball player that's just stupid to me that's like just pull my hair out I can't believe what I'm hearing stupid but that that type of analytic stuff works against Kobe he was a gunner and just general a lot of basketball uh, a, a lot of basketball purists don't like gunners and then obviously he has some darker parts of parts of his story that we don't have to get into but all of those things kind of amount to Kobe being in my opinion grossly underrated all, all time. And the reason why I have him at number three is, is simple. I, I simplify, I explain the analytics stuff by pointing out the obvious differences in the eras. If you actually broke it down to skill set at the two guard position, there wasn't anybody nearly as skilled as Kobe. He was a better defensive player than everybody at his position. He was just the best at what he did. So you have to look at the way that these percentages and things worked back then and kind of keep it in the context of that era, not in the context of comparing him to all of the eras. In general, when we're comparing eras or comparing players, I think it should focus on skill sets. It should focus on how they performed relative to their peers, not in the grand scheme of just here's how many rebounds he had versus here's how many rebounds Michael Jordan had or here oh LeBron has more assists than you know so and so. Like that to me, that to me is just not a good way to have that conversation. We should be talking about how they performed against their peers and how they performed in their era and the way that they impacted winning on their particular basketball teams. And then that pure scorer thing, the gunner thing, I've never looked at that as a negative. It's just one of the archetypes. You guys probably remember this summer we did a whole thing on all of the different uh, uh, superstar archetypes, like that super small, super athletic guard, like the John Morant, Russell Westbrook, Derrick Rose type of thing, right? Then we had the big playmaking forwards like LeBron James and your Luka Doncic and, and guys like that. And then we had our uh, you know big men, guys like Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Shaq, all those guys over the years. But then we also have the scoring wing. This This is Kevin Durant. This is Kobe Bryant. This is Michael Jordan. That has always been a very important part of the game of basketball. Does it sometimes get aesthetically annoying? Yeah, of course it's annoying sometimes when when he rises up and shoots over three defenders and misses a shot. I can get why that would offend basketball purists on a certain level, but the reality is, is you need guys who are capable of taking and making crazy shots. You need guys who are insane enough to think that instead of making the extra pass or making the right play, that they should rise up and shoot. You need guys that are wired like that within a team because not everything goes by the book. And sometimes the right play doesn't always result in a good result. For instance, at the end of the game against Spain, this was the grand finale of the documentary, You know, Spain goes zone, uh, USA gets tight, they're scoring on the other end, the game is close, You need someone who's crazy enough to be on the court with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade 
and Dwight Howard and Chris Paul and be like, no, I'm shooting this. You know, like him against the zone, taking a jab step three, that's a bad shot in theory, right? You've got this super talented team. You've got players that should be able to succeed against the zone. You have a zone offense. In theory, yeah, you do a jab step three, basically a contested three where he literally got fouled. That's not a good shot in theory, but he's crazy enough to take it. He's talented enough to make it. And in a game like that where everyone's got sweaty palms and it's just tight, you need somebody that's going to rise up and knock that shot down. And that's what Kobe did. That's what he was for that group. He was the guy that was crazy enough to take the reins when everybody was a little concerned about who should take the reins. That that to me is a, a huge side effect of that pure scorer archetype. It's incredibly valuable in the NBA, and it should never be used against Kobe. And the last reason why I have him up at number three, I think it matters that his peers revered him the way that he did. Should it be the end-all, be-all? No. Like, I don't, I don't think it should just be like, oh, people are Kobe fans, therefore he's the best. But it's part of that story. You know, I think, I think the people that are on the court with him, the people that that understand the way his work ethic stock, stacks up to theirs, when they are paying him that level of respect, we should take notice. You know, like with the fact that he was able to, through a few morning workouts, prepping for the 2007 FIBA Americas uh, 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 games, that he was able to convince the whole team to start working out in the mornings, that's an aura thing with him. That's a power mentally that he had over his opponents. And by the way, that extends onto the court. We talk about this all the time. I talked about this a lot in the last playoff run with Steph. I believe a huge part of why Luka Doncic didn't play well in the conference finals and Jason Tatum didn't play well in the NBA finals is they're looking across the way at Steph Curry and he's so confident and he's so comfortable and he's playing great basketball and they're nervous and that battle of personalities can really weigh on you on a basketball court. There's kind of like a a seesaw effect in every basketball game between the two best players on either team. When one clearly feels more confident and is playing better than the other, it can really start to tip that scale. And and I just think I think Kobe's persona around the league and the respect that he got from his peers is woefully underplayed when we're talking about him and his career accomplishments. Um, I wanted to talk for a second about the about Larry Brown and the 04 team, which, again, regardless of how you look at it, they had no business losing regardless of who was on the roster. When you have Tim Duncan, when you have Allen Iverson, when you have you know the young talent that they did on that team, they should have won, but they didn't. And you know, it, it, I think I think in general it was an interesting case study of poor roster construction and the idea of um, like the idea of redundancies. So, for instance, like. I, you know, I play a lot of pickup basketball these days, you know, typical 31-year-old former player just trying to, to scratch the competitive itch. And, you know, I find that when I play with guys that know how to play together and understand the different roles that have to be filled on a basketball court, it's easy to win games, especially when there's a clear hierarchy and I, I know I can trust my guys to do what they need to do. Then you run into, you know, sometimes you go up to the gym and some of your buddies are there. And, and next thing you know, you've got four or five high-level players on the team, but they're all kind of scorers, right? Or they're all dudes who like to have the ball in their hands. And then what ends up happening is like 
instead of everybody playing well, it kind of hurts everybody. Like no one gets in a rhythm because it turns into your turn, my turn. And, you know, one of the guys on your team feels like he should be shooting more. So like he'll force things when he shouldn't, or there's a lot of just dribbling the basketball at the floor and shooting that kind of concept. That's a basic basketball concept. Just you experience it in a pickup game, but you can also experience it at any level of basketball. There is a redundancy there when you have a bunch of guys who like to do the same thing. We talk about this all the time. With a basketball lineup, there are a list of responsibilities that have to be fulfilled. And when you have stars that specialize in fulfilling specific responsibilities, like creating advantages or isolation scoring, you know, mismatch attacking, things along those lines, driving the ball to the basket, but you don't have guys who specialize in spot-up roles. You don't have guys who specialize as cutters or as off-ball screeners or things along those lines. Guys who dedicate their life on the, within the NBA to defensive roles or being in the mix, boxing out and securing defensive rebounds or going after offensive rebounds. When you don't have guys on the team that target those sorts of things, then you just have a bunch of guys who are good at this stuff and you've got those bases covered, but you're leaving all these bases uncovered and you end up losing to a team like an Argentina or a Greece who has maybe one or two guys that fulfill the star responsibilities and the rest of their roster is full of guys that specialize in those little things, in the dirty work. And and ironically, when they were building that roster, they kind of talked about in the documentary how they went after the younger players because they couldn't get some of the bigger stars like a Shaq or a Kobe or things along those lines, right? Well, instead of going after younger stars that Larry Brown wasn't going to play anyways because Larry Brown famously didn't like playing young players – They should have just got old veteran role players. They should have just targeted five or six random dudes around the league who were vitally important role players for high-level playoff teams and put them on that roster. And then Tim Duncan and Allen Iverson can focus on being who they are, knowing that they've got a traditional basketball group of dirty work role players behind them that can get stuff done. And and I think that was just a fundamental uh, example of fundamentally poor roster construction. And then the second part of it is, um, you know, the, 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 the Carmelo Anthony and all those guys really went after uh, Larry Brown for just being like wanting them to play the right way and things along those lines. I've talked about this concept before on the show, um, but it really bothers me when coaches in general try to inflict their philosophy on a roster rather than catering their philosophy to what the roster is good at. You know, the truth of the matter is, is there is no right way to play basketball. The only right way to play basketball is to win. It's to score more points than the other team. Find some way to get stops. Find some way to score baskets. And you have a, an assembly of players, and they all have a skill set, and there's got to be a certain way that they can feel comfortable scoring the basketball or playing defense. For instance, we talk about this all the time on the show. Some teams are more geared towards drop. Some teams are more geared towards switching. Some teams, are more, like Dallas, are more geared to single creators and guys in spot-up roles. And some teams like Boston and the Clippers are more geared towards like equal opportunity, drive and kick. Everyone has lots of time with the basketball in their hands. There's just different philosophies that fit different types of rosters. And anytime I hear something like that where a coach is trying to inflict his philosophy on a team, I'm always just ready for it to go immediately south from there. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. 
Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you feeling stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started to see a little more of your scalp? Are you unhappy with your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, and faster-growing hair with less shedding. Physician-formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole-body health. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription, or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day and you'll see results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker and healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code Hoops, that's H-O-O-P-S. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Hoops, H-O-O-P-S. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code Hoops. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, <clears throat> kind of looking at the... Uh, um... Uh, comparing the 2018 to the 2012 team. So this has been a take that I've had for years, but I think the 2012 team was considerably better than the 2018. And I really, I really boil it down to three things, okay? First of all, LeBron in 2012 was twice as good as he was in 2008. Much more consistent as a shooter, a much better defensive player, a much better understanding of, uh, of how to win basketball games and the details, controlling the pace of the game, understanding how to close games. He, in the half court, he was so much better as a surgical playmaker and as a surgical scorer than he was in 2008. He was just many, many times better, and he was still every bit as athletic as he was in 2008. So I've got a better version of LeBron. That's, that's where we're starting there. The, guy, the 2012 LeBron... Many people think that's his best version. I think it's 2018. But 2012-2013 LeBron is no worse than the second best version of LeBron, who is the second best basketball player of all time. So let's go ahead and put that up there. Now I've got Kobe. I think Kobe was better in 2012 than he was in 2008. Now, um, I get it. He's a little bit older. But if you remember, this was during the stretch where his uh, where he had gotten some treatment on his knee, so he was more explosive. If you've ever looked at... 
Kobe Bryant's athleticism in that 2012-2013 season. He was jumping out of the gym and dunking over literally everybody because his knees were feeling better. And then that was the year where he really figured out kind of modern basketball in more of the spaced out environment where he could operate, instead of having to operate in the congested area around the free throw line, he was working a lot more from the three-point line. He was working a lot more with the live dribble, a lot more spread ISO, a lot more spread pick and roll. And his percentages went through the roof. If you remember, 2012-2013 was actually one of Kobe's most efficient seasons. Kobe, in the year or so before his Achilles injury, I think was the best version of Kobe. So I've got better LeBron. I've got better Kobe. And then there's the KD versus Dwayne Wade thing. Now, Dwayne Wade is incredible. In circa 2008, Dwayne Wade was incredible. I don't dispute that at all. But he kind of primarily acted as a bench scorer for that team, although he did play in crunch time for a lot of uh, a lot of the games. But uh, he, he had some of that redundancy. He, his impact on the game was somewhat limited because he was in a spot-up role often, and Dwayne Wade's never been a fantastic spot-up player. Kevin Durant, in that 2012 Olympic run, was just a knockdown standstill shooter. What I call aggressive spot-up shooting, meaning like, you're hunting three-point looks off the ball to the extent where even if someone rotates to you and contests, you're still rising up into a shot. You're just not scared of anything in that regard. That type of aggressive spot-up shooting from Kevin Durant just made him a much more natural fit with the 2012 team than Dwayne Wade was with the 2008 team. So even though Wade in 08, I think, was probably a better player than KD in 2012, the reality is, is KD was a better fit, which is kind of one of the themes of this particular show. So I've got better LeBron, better Kobe, and I've got KD, who's a better fit, over Dwayne Wade. So I would take the 2012 team over 2008 by a pretty decent margin. Now, when we compare them to the 92 Dream Team, this particular debate is incredibly difficult to have. So I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it's pretty simple to me. Comparing across eras is impossible. I hate it when people start talking about like who can guard who. Like, oh, well, who's going to guard Larry Bird on the table? Oh, who's going to guard Michael Jordan? When you're talking about these guys who are top 10 players of all time at the peak of their powers, none of them can guard anybody. I'm sorry, but LeBron in 2012, if you leave him on an island with Michael Jordan, he's going to kill him. If you uh, b- Both ways. MJ can't guard LeBron. LeBron can't guard MJ. Kobe and MJ specialize in making incredibly difficult shots. Neither of them would be able to guard each other. Like, no, I'm sorry, but like as we go down the rosters, position by position, everyone is the best at what they do. None of them can guard anybody. So it's hard to talk about specific matchups or how things would work. The two styles that they played based on the era were incredibly different. So it's impossible for me to compare anything there. The types of uh, the way that the 2012 team played offense doesn't even resemble the way the 1992 team played offense. So I don't really, I can't really get into the weeds of that conversation. I would simplify it down to this. I said that two of the top, I said that my top three perimeter players of all time are MJ1, LeBron2, Kobe3. So I'm getting two of the top three players of all time at the peak of their powers. That's going to matter to me. Um, and then, and yes, I know my four and five uh, are, you know, my, I think I actually just bumped Larry Bird to six and put Steph past him. But my four and six is Magic and Bird. So yeah, I get that. But they weren't even close to the top of their, uh, they weren't even close to the top of their games when they were in 1992, right? Magic was still pretty good, but Larry was injured and, and wasn't the same player. So when I look at the top, I like what I'm getting out of the 2012 team. And then just in general as a philosophy, I've always been of the belief that 
modern basketball players are just getting better and better, not worse and worse. I know old heads really struggled with that conversation and they truly believe that there was like this golden age of basketball when everyone was better and then now everyone's just worse and they don't play the game the right way. I think that's insane. I think the 2012 basketball players are just better than the 1992 basketball players. I think the 2022 basketball players are better than the 2012 basketball players. And I will think the 2032 basketball players are better than the 2022 basketball players. That's just going to be a consistent philosophy that I keep over the years. I think that's just human nature and the way that we advance. We get better and better in every industry as time goes on. But I very, very much enjoyed that documentary. I hope you guys do as well. Check it out on Netflix. Um, that's all I have for today. Like I said, get ready on Monday for our season preview. And then Tuesday, we're doing our first live show of the year in the evening. As always, I sincerely appreciate your support. Thanks for rocking with me over this summer. I can't even believe uh, how, how successful we were over this summer. I expected things to slow down quite a bit. So I appreciate your guys' support. And let's get into that real basketball next week. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. 
Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love at First Listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.